job and roll up and watch how we roll up and I can't control it, can't hold it, it's so nuts. I take a sip of that yak, I wanna fuck. I take a hit of that chronic, it got me stuck. But really what's amazing is how I keep blazing. Towel under the door, smoking to the days and puff, puff the past, so fuck up rotation. Hypnotic for Henny, that nigga, that's a chaser. Turn nothing to something, that pippin', that's a savior. Best things like green, that pippin', get your paper. High off the ground. All right, all right, all right. That's enough. That's enough. Kanye is trying to make me a fan of his again. Um, anyway, <laughs> welcome, welcome to Cultural Integrity. I'm your host, Juwan. Join with me uh, is Chris Sims. Chris, what's going on, man? It's all good, brother. Man, how you feeling? Uh, I'd be a lot better if someone would stop putting uh, cameras in front of Kanye. Uh, um, <laughs> we should. <laughs> We should be joined by a few more guests in a little bit, but we are not going to hold up the show. We just we're going to keep this thing going. So let's start with the man of the hour, man, uh, Kanye. I have one here from last week's topics: the uh, Kanye versus Nick Cannon and, and Drake. But Nick Cannon and Kanye said they spoke and they fixed it, so I'm not even going to go over that. Kanye has given us new content. Uh, apparently, we were supposed to get Yandi on Saturday night. Um, but the album was a no-show. He followed it up with appearing on Saturday Night Live. Um, After Ariana Grande stepped out due to personal reasons, he filled in and did possibly the most Kanye West thing Kanye could do, which is take uh, a moment that should have been, you know, wrapping up a show and decided to use it to tell people that he's being bullied uh, about his Make America Great Again hat. He's calling that hat his Superman cape. Um, for people who don't understand how weird the logic of that is, um, Superman's cape and the logo is supposed to represent hope. It's supposed to represent uh, heroism. Um, Kanye is trying to say his hat of a Make America Great Again is supposed to symbolize that same aspect. Um, Chris, I'm going to go to you, man. Uh, what are your thoughts on... Yandi being a no-show as far as his album dropping, and his wife actually came out and said the album instead will be dropping on um, oh, what do you call that? Uh, Good Friday. We'll be dropping on Good Friday instead of this past Saturday. And just, what are your thoughts about Kanye and this stupid hat? Like, I am just completely done with him and this hat. So the crazy thing is, well, first of all, about the about the album dropping, they talking about it dropping on Good Friday. It better be a good album, like, because <laughs> I'm one of those cats. that's <laughs> like, I was an early Kanye fan. I'm not as much of a Kanye fan of the last few years. I mean, even before all the Trump stuff, um, you know, I just wasn't overly excited about any of his music. Me personally, a lot of people say I'm crazy, but. I just haven't been, um, but you know, I think we spoke before the first two to three albums. Um, yeah, I, I was with it, but so yeah, but it, it dropping on Good Friday, it, it better be a good album. Um, not totally surprised it didn't drop when they said it was going to drop because I just don't know what to expect from um, Kanye West anymore uh, when when I see him. So or or they say things about him. So. Um, not totally surprised that it it didn't drop and don't really have a whole lot of filler on that. But as far as him and his hat, I'm gonna be honest with you, I missed the hat. I was sitting there, I, I was in there watching a, um, I flipped to Saturday Night Live just in time to see uh, majority of his performance. 
the other night, and I think he was like in a water bottle or something, looking like to me it was kind of corny looking, but and you know just rapping. And I thought he was just making this stuff up as he went along, but then I then I saw that you know the other cat that was on the stage with him was mouthing some of the words. But yeah, I, I actually missed it. I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah, I mean it's look it it man it's just one of those where it's just like you you listen to um his past his his first three four albums right and when uh-huh. you listen to those albums the the feeling you get is man Kanye is so pro black like everything that you want to hear from someone on a platform like that I mean he gave us Jesus walks like no one besides Kurt Franklin was rapping about Jesus um, at a time where rapping was just super powerful. Um, so mm-hmm. just a lot about where he started from was just like, wow. And then it seemed as though, like, I hate I hate the idea of keep blaming it on the, the Kardashians because he is his own person and he thinks for himself. But it's just like, True. I don't recall him being this crazy before the Kardashians. Like I mean, when his when his mother passed, he was doing crazy stuff like drinking henny on the red carpet and like taking the microphone from Taylor Swift. But I take that over this Kanye. Like this Kanye <laughs> is just like I don't know how out of touch he is. Like I want to say he's doing this to market shoes, to market his clothes, to market his music. He's just doing anything that makes the eyes go to him. Right? That's what I want to say it is. But I actually right. think he believes it. I really do think he believes half the stuff he's saying. Like, I think he does believe Donald Trump's a great guy. And I'm not saying he's not, but um, was, his his views are definitely different than the views you would have of someone in the African-American community. So it's one of those things where it's just like, he may be nice to you, but it's just like everything he says, like everything Trump says, just it feels so racist. <laughs> it's like <laughs> when you wear the hat, make America great again, that term isn't a term that's supposed to be like endearing or like a positive thing. It's meant to be the total opposite. So when you're trying to tell us, like, I don't know if you heard this, but he was on Instagram talking about, he was talking to Kaepernick and trying to get him to the White House. To the so White he House, could sort yeah. Things, yeah, so he could sort things out with Trump. And it's just like, why would you ever think that's a good idea? Like, I mean, I, I get you trying to bridge the gap or whatever, but it's like they're obviously on two separate ends of the spectrum. Um, I mean, you had Trump talking about if, if you're not standing, you should be fired. Like, you know, the team should drop you. And you have Kaepernick that's like, you're completely twisting the idea of what the kneeling was supposed to represent. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's, listen, you're right. The album coming out on Good Friday, it better be good. It better be good. I'll say this. I feel as though each album of Kanye's, whether it's good, whether it's bad, it's always unique in the sense of no one else sounds like that. No one else sounds like that. Um, right. So I believe it'll be inventive, but do I think it'll be a good album? I don't know. <laughs> I want it to be, <laughs> but listen, man, I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. Um, so let's let's go over the, the topics for Kanye that we have from last week. Kanye calling out Nick Cannon and Drake, pretty much 
apparently the the song Kiki, Do You Love Me that Drake did was about Kim Kardashian. Uh, what's funny <laughs> about Kanye? What's funny about Kanye saying that is I don't think if you're outside of like that circle, you knew that. Like I I never thought that Kiki was just Kim Kardashian. I would have never thought that. And I was I think I was listening to Joe Budden's podcast. He was saying how like. Uh, or somebody was saying, like, that's, that's what they call, like, Kim Kardashian. I was just like, but that's not, like, a public thing. Like, the world doesn't know that. So, like, Kanye, you look like an idiot coming out saying that, and now people are like, oh, well, maybe he is talking about Kim Kardashian. Like, no one was thinking that beforehand. So it's just one of those things, like, this guy, man, he just finds anything to just place himself in, in news outlets or whatever. But, Chris, I'll go back to you, man. What are your thoughts on the whole beef between Kanye and, and Nick Cannon and then Kanye and Drake? Well, I think what I think is crazy about it is, you know, we talk about how crazy or whatever you want to call Kanye, you know, call Kanye, you know, that he is or may be. I look at this situation as almost like he picks, you know, it – picks and chooses who he possibly wants to have beef with, right? Like, we're talking about, you know, him having a issue with Drake. I mean, they supposed to, supposedly and everything's supposed to be cool, I guess. I, I don't know um, now. Um, but, you know, and we never really know Drake to be really that hard cat outside of, you know, uh, basically murdering somebody on a diss track, you know, uh, he, you know, the situation with uh, your boy Nick Cannon. You know, everybody likes Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon, you know, he gets money, he does his thing. But I don't think anybody's really scared of Nick Cannon himself, straight up. But he call those guys out. But Kanye ain't calling. You know, he ain't going back on any of the other cats who had nothing to, uh, to say. Even while he was married to Kim Kardashian, you know, things about her. I mean, I go back to watching, uh, I don't even which, which show it was. It was a talk show. And you bore the game. And they asked the game. It might have been, was it Ellen? Uh, I'm not sure. No, it was Wendy. Asked, it was Wendy's show. It was Wendy. Oh, yeah, yeah, Wendy. Asking about, uh, yeah, you saw the asking about, you know, first it started off because I think it was because, you know, everybody knew that him and Chloe were close. You know, right. and that was no secret. And Chloe used to always play it to, oh, we just friends, we just friends. But he, he asked, you know, did you know, did he smash or go down or whatever. And, yeah, you know, he pretty much put it out there to the most part. Yeah, it went down. But then when the whole situation came about, Kim, he ain't really, you know, deny that either. You, you see what I'm saying? To me, it's <laughs> right. like Kanye kind of picks and chooses, you know, who he wants to say things about and have real beef with. So. I don't know, you know, if, if Kanye is really um, about that life now. Granted, yeah, I mean, that's your wife, and, and I understand you got to say things to, you know, to, to possibly keep cats in check or let them know you can't talk to my lady like that. But to me, right. it seems like Kanye, who's I do believe is, is a genius, but he's crazy at the same time, sometimes wants us to believe he's so crazy than he is. Yeah, I mean, and it, it's one of those things where it's like, I get it. Like, you can't have everybody just saying, like, they, they, they were your wife. You can't have mm-hmm. that narrative out there. So I get squashed. You have Hey, you cut out a little bit. I can't hear you, boss. 
page. You won. You did. I can't hear you. Yeah, I'm here. Sorry about that. The phone okay. just randomly dropped. <laughs> <That's cool. Sorry. laughs> All right, um, I'm back. Sorry about that. Um, but no, I was saying, you know, you have Nick Cannon's phone number. You give him a call. You let him know, like, listen, you you got to relax. Like, you know, if you were married to Mariah, I wouldn't be out here saying stuff like that. So I'm just I'm looking for the the equal respect. That's it, and you leave it at that. You to make a Facebook post and all that, it's just like with Kanye, you don't know if it's genuine. If you, you don't know if this guy is just looking to get attention. It's just, it's annoying at this point. <laughs> it's just extremely <laughs> annoying. Um, but, yeah, all in all, hopefully when his album drops, it's a good album. Um, but let's move on from Kanye. Talking about him just gives me a headache. Um, Might me too. <laughs> right? Uh, let's talk about another thing um, that I think when it was reported wasn't talked about enough. And I don't mean for the possible good side of it. I mean for the fact that the NFL isn't slick. So apparently Maroon 5 is selected to uh, has been selected to do the, um, the halftime for the Super Bowl this year. Cool. I'm a fan of Adam Levine, so cool. Not a problem. Then they thought it'd be great if we had Cardi B and Travis Scott come out as their guest, right? Now, right. to be fair, Cardi B does have a song with Maroon 5, so that's not, yep. like, out of the, the realm of possibility. They may even have a song with Travis Scott. But, Chris, I wanted to ask you, man, do you think there's something behind them doing this? Because it seems uh, more likely, like, they can't get big solo black uh, artists to headline Super Bowls. Uh, since this whole Kaepernick thing went down. So they're like, wherever we can latch on, like Cardi B's really hot right now. Travis Scott's really hot right now. Maybe that'll get the the audience who left because of the Kaepernick thing to come back at least to watch that. Like, do you think this is a ploy, or do you think it just happens to be one of those things where maybe Maroon 5 asked for them to be there again? Man, I, I love this topic. I love this question. Um, and mainly because maybe about a week ago, Around about the time that this was announced, I, I did a podcast short uh, on on this very topic, and, and I was itching to do it. It was maybe a ten minute rant, but I went on, you know, and gave my feelings. And first of all, I love Maroon Five. You know, I'm I'm, I'm hip hop till it death, but I love Maroon Five. Um, I, I ain't even ashamed to say, brother, you might look at me crazy. I got the greatest hits. I got I got all that. I got album, but. Yeah, I like Am Levine and crew. They don't, but so I, I have no problem. And I think one of the bigger things is before we get into them getting a black artist to perform was the issue of it being in Atlanta and the fact that an Atlanta artist um, wasn't asked to play at the Super Bowl. Um, right. And I, and I don't think that was their God-given right just because it was in Atlanta that it had to be. I mean, would it have been great? Yeah, of course it would have been great to have them um, to do that, especially that's a new stadium. Mercedes-Benz Stadium is amazing. Um, I was there last year. I I went there last year. It's it's an amazing stadium. And, yeah, it would have been nice if you could have snagged, even if you couldn't get the people you wanted. And it might have been nice if you could have snagged, you know, some kind of mixture of, maybe getting Ludacris in there and Usher. Well, Usher's not actually from Atlanta, but a lot of people associate him with Atlanta. Um, Atlanta, you know, there maybe a collage of artists. I thought that would have been great. But people were upset that it was Maroon 5 that got chosen. 
Um, I don't think anything could have would have been bigger than maybe possibly getting Outcast back together to do something. And I think that was you know that would have been dope. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we see at some point an ATL artist or two pop up that they don't announce is going to be there and pops up during the performance somewhere. I think that could happen. But, yeah, you, you nailed it, man. I think the NFL was thinking about um, the whole Kaepernick thing and how would it look to us. We're already taking a lot of hits in the media now and in public perception now on uh, social rights issues and the, and the splits that we have over the anthem and everything else. But I think the NFL was thinking it could be another black mark on us if it gets out that we went out here and asked some of the bigger name artists that are from Atlanta to perform that happen to be black, and they find out that somebody like an Andre 3000 said no. You know, maybe a ludicrous says no. You see what I'm saying? How yeah. that would look on them. Like, we could even get, you know, the major artists to do this, you know. Um, and, you know, it, I think I think that's something that people aren't thinking about. I think that may have had something to do with the fact that we didn't see that happen. But, yeah, I think um, they didn't want that egg on their face, Juwan, to be honest with you. Um, so I was kind of mixed on it. I, you know, I have no problem with Maroon 5 doing this, but I do think that the NFL was thinking about what if it got out of some of these artists decided, you know, that we extended this out to them to do it and, and, and they didn't want to do it just based on the whole way that Kaepernick's being treated. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, I, I say this all the time. I, I feel as though NBA is going to completely take over NFL. I mean, if you look at social media numbers, NBA is up there. If you look at the fact that NBA lasts, uh, like, NBA ends when? Like, June, right? That That's when the finals is over is in, uh, like, late June. But July, August, we're still talking basketball. Like, LeBron going to the Lakers was in July. LeBron showing up to preseason games, and then LeBron and his offseason. Like, basketball is talked about a lot more on a global scale year-round than football is. It just is. It is. Um, I think it's growing to be very popular in a sense that if football continues on this way, and let's not forget, Chris, and I think you can speak to this too, football getting soft too. Like, this season, there shouldn't be that many 40-point games in the first four weeks of an NFL season. That means one or two things. Either defenses have gotten trash, or it seems as though the rules are catered to scoring and not really defending. Uh, I mean, how many games, Chris, have we seen so far that were like 48 to 41 or 38 to 30, 32, like just crazy mm-hmm. high-scoring games. So it's one of those things where it's like you got defensive players and offensive players even saying, like, this is getting really soft. I mean, that, that one play with Clay <laughs> Matthews on Kirk Cousins, you even had Kirk Cousins like, I didn't think that was a, a, a foul, but I'll take it. <laughs> that was a really generous True. call. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I think that the idea of football being the most popular sport is starting to go out of the window. I am not saying that no one watches football. Obviously, that's not true. But it being the most popular sport, absolutely. And once baseball starts to get out of their head, 
of not liking the idea of guys flipping backs and doing, you know, uh, crazy stuff Puig does running around the bases. When baseball starts to embrace that, baseball is going to be huge globally because that's what the kids of today want to see. They want to see the guy who hits the home run and then stares at the pitcher and throws the bat and then slowly jogs across the, you know, across the bases. Like, people want to see that in today's time. So, I mean, football just, I mean, think about how strict they were with, with the celebrations. They've obviously let loose with it, but I just feel as though football is doing any and everything they can to stay relevant as to this wasn't the case six, seven years ago. Football didn't need to do insane things to just hang on to being, re- you know, to being relevant uh, mm-hmm. as far as this topic of conversation. So I think them going after Cardi B and Travis Scott is very much a, a, uh, a ploy to gain viewers that they know they've lost. So I'm, I'm not beat for it. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not going to watch the Super Bowl or the halftime performance. Um, because it's huge for Travis, it's huge for Cardi, and it's huge for, for Maroon 5. So I want to support that. Um, but the idea of football being the most popular sport uh, in the world, that, that's really coming to an end uh, sooner yeah, than later. Yeah, well, it is. Yeah, well, it is. It is. Let me tell you, um, and not to get too deep, but I'll tell you another thing that they're fighting um, is, is the – and we'll probably at some point, I don't know, for whatever reasons will come up again down the line. But they're already fighting the fact that down the line that uh, kids and, and folks playing football is already dwindling as as it is. So you're talking about, you know, the NFL has always had the backing of the youth sports, right? They've always had right. the backing of the youth sports because most of those kids, expi- you know, aspire to be NFL players. Very few make it. But now even um, across the United States, the participation in football is actually dwindling, and I think the NFL is saying that. I saw something earlier this year that said that the, um, at the high school and college levels alone, the participation in the, the participation with the scholarship counts have gone up in both, I think it's like field hockey, and uh, and soccer across the nation in high school, the participation in those two sports are at an all time high, while football is dwindling. So the NFL's got to be careful, man. You know, and and I, and, I, and I think part of the reason um, they're trying to be strategic with everything is actually starting right there as well. Not just the fact that we're talking about you know you know social issues that just causing a great divide across the NFL mainly but also the interest and the backing um, in the, in that particular sport. So right. for them to, you know, get back to what we're talking about, to get for them to have a hot artist like um, that everybody knows, Cardi B, and add a Travis Scott. Well, I think Travis Scott is, you know, he's dope, but um, one of the few cats that I, I really enjoy listening to um, that continuously puts out music. But, yeah, but Cardi B is a girl. Look, my mom is in her 60s, Juwan, okay? My mom ain't no, no she ain't no hip-hop fan, okay? Right. But she knows catchy music. She got her, you know, she got her a new car about a year ago. Um, my mom was driving an old car for years, didn't want to let it go. But so all she really had was the uh, radio didn't work all that great in the car. And so all she knew music-wise is something flashed across the television or something that might have been on the station at her job. She's got a new car now. Um, 
she she keeps it on a station that plays R and B and hip hop, and she ain't a hip hop fan, Juwan, but she can tell you the chorus back and forth. She's singing while she's cooking to Bodak mm. Yellow Man. So I, I'm just telling you, like, <laughs> yo, and that's, that's that's real. That's real. Like I went, in, I went in. She said, "Yeah, I like what's her Cardi." I said, yeah, "Cardi B, my Cardi B." She said, "Yeah, I like that." You know. So, you know, so they 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 gotta get something that appeals to everybody. I mean, let, let's be honest, brother. Like, what we're seeing in today's society, if you're hot hip hop wise, because radio stations are smart now. Even the ones that are not hip hop oriented know a hit when they hear it. If you're a hot, it's going to cross all mediums, whether it's black, whether it's white, whether you're um, younger, um, you know, middle aged or whatever. So. I think that as well. They wanted to make sure they kept, you know, they kept their viewership uh, within a range of, um, you know, of, of different types of viewers for the Super Bowl. Yeah, listen, and I completely agree with you. But I always heard this this, mm-hmm. this saying that if you want to make true change, you have mm-hmm. to affect the pocket. Affect the pocket. And yep. if NFL is losing ratings, that will then affect pocket. So they are True. doing they're doing things like trying to make it to where the defense is somewhat uh you know um you know handicapped so these offenses can throw for four hundred yards in one game for forty eight points. Like they want that. They'll never say it. I can't prove it, but I'm sorry, Chris. When was the last time you've seen in just four weeks that many points throughout the season, like not just one or two games. It's like each week might have two or three games that have uh, yep. a team that's dropping like 30, 40 points. And it's like, all right, come on. You can't tell me everybody's defense is that bad. Like something is going on, you know? So no, I agree. You know, it's one of those things where it's like that's not an accident. The NFL is very smart. Just like uh, that one year Brady got, got injured, and they completely changed the rules. So attacking a quarterback by his knees or his legs or late hits or any of that, that's out of here. Can't do that no more. Nope, not going to happen. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, he went out with the collarbone. They changed that rule. So it's like they're, they're catering it to where they want to make sure the quarterback is upright, throwing for at least 4,000 yards a season and averaging at least 30 touchdowns a season. So it's like – it's not by accident. They're trying to keep their core audience. They're trying to grow their audience. But it's in a time to where it's a microwave age, um, and you don't really have that many flashy things in football. Like basketball works because LeBron can throw it off the backboard, catch it with his feet, and dunk it. Like that, that's flashy. Like football is not really doing many things like that. So it's like they're trying to be as creative as they can to keep people watching. And all I'm saying is give it 10 years. Parents are seeing what's happening with these kids getting these concussions and stuff. Ten years, football won't it won't be half of what it is right now, uh, and and that's something that I, I'm going to keep saying because it's something you have to watch out for. Um, but let's let move me, on. Let, yeah, let me ahead. say this real quick. Let me say this real quick. I, I I I totally agree with you, and and um, you know, I was talking about it on the podcast before we were talking about week after week, and we're looking at some of these games, the way the NFL scheduled it. And you're right. I mean, you can go back to week one, you know, and, and they're caring more about uh, putting points on the board. I think it was with the Bucks and Saints, both scored over 40 points. 
you know, in, in week one, and we, we're talking about, you know, um, you know, mm-hmm. defense. Uh, Chiefs and Steelers in week two, it was like 42 to 37 or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. he, every week there, there's been something. Saints and Falcons, 43-37. You know, don't forget, seeing, don't forget the uh, the Rams and the Vikings, that high-scoring game. And then Mitchell Trubisky, yeah. Mitchell Trubisky the other day, throwing for yep. like five or six touchdowns. Tom Brady and the Patriots dropped 38 points. Like, this isn't – like, we're not making this up. We're not manufacturing these numbers. These are real we're numbers not. over the course of just four weeks, not the course of a season, four weeks. That is alarming. Yeah, with, with, with the NFL is smart enough to know this. They want their stars on the field. And, you know, most times we think of stars, and, of course, we, we know they're great defenders and there's great running backs. But a lot of teams, you, a lot of times you think about, the main captain of most football teams or most offenses anyway is the quarterback. So they know they have to have a Drew Brees on the field. They know they have to have a Tom Brady on the field. They know they have to have an Aaron Rodgers on the field. And that's why we're seeing a lot of these, these little pity pet, um, you know, uh, you know, flags that these, these, these guys are getting, man. Um, and some of it's ridiculous, but I understand because the NFL realizes I can't, I can't do the numbers I want to do if I have to if, if a team has to start a Tom Savage or you see what I'm saying or or they got right. to uh, start a Mark Sanchez you know at, at, at quarterback you know they understand that um, so I think that's a, a lot of the reason you know we're seeing what we're seeing now uh, with the rules um, they're about that money and they know they can't sell a game especially if it's a prime time game that looked real good when they made the schedule months before the season started, and then we get a game where it's two two backups or, or a backup on one of the most popular teams is under center. Yeah, absolutely. And let's not, let's not act like the NBA is innocent. I, I've seen it to where, like, a player like, let's say, uh, DeMarcus Cousins had four fouls. And then he'll right. foul a guy, but they'll call it on, on, on someone else. Like, mm-hmm. NBA, you're not slick either. At least we, we trust Adam Silver. I, I don't know about uh, Roger Goodell and, and, you know, and how deep his pockets go with Trump and all that. So, we don't know about you, NFL, but NBA, you ain't slick either. Uh, <laughs> let's move on. Let's talk, um, let's talk some comedy beef, man. Let's talk some comedy beef. We got – we got beef between Kevin Hart and Cat. Well, first of all, Kevin Hart seemed like he beefed with everybody. Mike Epps, Cat Williams, uh, anybody that <laughs> want to say something bad about Tiffany Haddish, um, he 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 just he, he got it on the clip. Now I want to open up this comic uh, conversation with you because I was watching um, Monique when she was on the View. It wasn't recently. It was a, it was a while back. But I've always wanted to have this conversation with someone. Um, right. And it it's. In comparison to what this this topic is about, um, Cat Williams was saying Tiffany Haddish. Like, who's Tiffany Haddish? Like, she's not. You know, like, name me one Tiffany Haddish line, right? And now, mm-hmm. let me say this: we as as black people do have a horrible tendency of tearing each other down, unprompted. Like, <laughs> he he could have <laughs> used in that moment to say, you know what, she's doing big things. I see that she got two or three, four movies coming out. She's done a, uh, a stand-up for Showtime. Uh, I heard she has a Netflix stand-up coming out. She's doing big things, yep. man. Nothing bad I can say about the lady. That's it. You're not kissing her butt. You're not doing none of that. 
There just should should not be anything negative you have to say about someone who has not done anything negative. Um, but the reason I brought this question up is because I feel as though um, what Monique was saying about the idea of um, I think we got Greg in here. Let me see. Greg, is that you? Yeah. What's up, man? How you doing? What's, what's going on, man? What's going on? What's up? Uh, what's up? What's perfect up? timing. We were just talking about uh, comedian beef. We're, we're going to go into the whole Kevin Hart, Cat Williams thing. But I was opening up the topic a lot more about the whole Monique conversation about Netflix not really offering her the money that she wanted and how Amy Schumer got and stuff like that. The biggest thing I, I see in comedy is that I think a lot of these comedians who have been in the game for a long time, they think the rules are the rules of back then when it was, you don't really have, like, it was it was rare for people to have those huge HBO specials and stuff like that. Like, you you, you had to have toured for a while, uh, sold out, like, like a, a huge uh, arena for these these uh, networks to go, you know what, we're going to back you, here's the money. Um, and what, what kind of confused me about Cat Williams' statements about Tiffany Haddish, like, name me one good Tiffany Haddish joke is, she doesn't have to have something that you look at and you go, oh, man, that was the most quotable thing she said. I'll admit, I saw Tiffany Haddish stand up, and if that if that was the first time I've ever seen Tiffany Haddish, I would say I didn't think she was that funny. I thought the stand-up was okay. Um, but it wasn't anything for me to brag about. But at the same point, I'm not going to knock her for that. I mean, Jay Farrell did stand-up. I didn't think that was funny, but I think the guy is hilarious. In, in certain things that he does. So I, I'm going to open up the floor to you guys. I'm going to go to you first, Greg. My question to you is, do you think the things that Cat Williams was saying about Tiffany Haddish was wrong yet true, or do you think he was just completely wrong uh, in that aspect and Kevin Hart was in the right uh, completely defending Tiffany Haddish? Do you kind of think it was it was biased from his end because maybe Tiffany Haddish isn't that funny? What do you think? Well, first of all, I think Kevin Hart was was right uh, defending Tiffany. I think he's at a position where, uh, you know, he he should come down and, and defend people uh, when, when stuff is said, especially people he's directly working with. Don't get it twisted. Kevin might be a nice guy, but Kevin defended Tiffany because t- him and Tiffany are in this movie together. Don't right. don't think it was any other reason. Uh, that's why he defended her. Kevin didn't defend anybody else that Cat Williams went after. Um, not even his own self. So Kevin knew what he was doing. Kevin was defending Tiffany because they were in this movie. Now that's not saying that she shouldn't have been defended. Um, I think Cat Williams was wrong. Uh, I think he apologized, however uh, sincere it was. I think he did apologize. But to to piggyback on what you were saying, uh, people don't seem to realize Netflix is a business. It's not a a popularity contest. It's not a, a my favorite black comedian, my favorite white. It's not. It's a business, and their business runs off people watching this show. More right. people would watch uh, Tiffany Haddish comedy show. Or more people watch, let's just bring it with the Monique, uh, Amy Schumer, they would watch Monique. I mean, that's just what it is. So I'm not going to pay you X amount of dollars if I don't expect to get 
X amount by 10 back. So, you know, that that's exactly what that was. But don't don't get it twisted for any, any other reason what it is. Uh, it's all about the dollars. Uh, Kevin said what he said cause about the dollars. They just do what they do for the dollars. It's, it's all about the dollars. And and I'll, I'll admit, one more thing, I'll admit with you, I don't think Tiffany Haddish is a great stand-up comedian. I, I think right. she is a funny actress. I think she has uh, – uh, uh, she's a good actress, and she makes – she does funny characters, or she does – what she does, she does well. Um, I wasn't that impressed with her stand-up. Uh, there are some jokes she said that's funny. I, I loved her on Saturday Night Live, but she's not a – I don't – I wouldn't put her in the realm of a, a, a stand-up comedian. Right. And the crazy thing about um, Tiffany Haddish is I wasn't under the impression that she was looking to be a great comedian. Like, I've never heard her talk about being, like, this, this amazing comedian or anything. I've just – I've never heard it, me personally. I'm only speaking from, from what I've – I've never heard it. After that one – Because that's special, what she started off at. That's what she started right. off at, and that's what she wanted to do. But then she realized, oh, snap. I am doing pretty well with this acting stuff, so I don't really have to. I mean, let's get a, let's not get it twisted again. Eddie Murphy was the biggest stand-up comedian of that generation, but he made his fortune off of movies. Yeah. That's 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 he made his fortune off of movies. He stopped doing stand-up because he was pulling in truckloads of money doing movies. Right. And he didn't have to tour. He didn't have to do any of those obligations. It was just do a movie, do press for the movie. You can make all that money you would have done a comedy store. So, I mean, it just made more sense. It just made more sense. And in today's time, I don't think stand-up comedians are as big of a thing as it used to be. Like, I do not see people clamoring for, um, like, stand-up. I just don't. And in reference to not me not really finding Tiffany Haddish funny as, as a stand-up comedian, I watched Wokish, uh, which was Marlon Wayne's stand-up. I thought that was possibly one of the worst stand-ups I had ever seen. It was entertaining, but I didn't laugh. Like, I laughed more so because Marlon was crazy antic, less than what he was saying. So Marlon is one of those guys who's just really funny, on a movie, on a TV show, but it doesn't translate to stand-up. I think Tiffany is the same way. That is not a knock. That is just me saying. I felt the same about Charlie Murphy. His stand-up was awful, but he is hilarious. Yeah. I thought the same about Charlie Murphy. And he's a genius with the pen uh, because he wrote a lot for the Chappelle show. So he's a genius with the pen. But it's just one of those things where it's like it's okay that – you are an entertaining person, but there's one avenue that that you might not be really good at. And like I said, it's not me knocking her. Like if you can, if Tiffany Haddish does a stand up for Netflix and it's hilarious, I'm, I'll be the first one to say I was completely wrong. Maybe that was just an off an off stand up. Like maybe whoever wrote it for her or she wrote it, it just wasn't the best material. But like Nick Cannon stand up wasn't funny, but I find him hilarious in certain things. Like, just certain people aren't meant to do stand-up, <laughs> and it's okay. Um, but, Chris, I want to go to you. What are your thoughts on everything me and Greg were just saying? Do you agree? Do you find Tiffany Haddish funny outside of her movies and, uh, and, like, TV shows and stuff like that? And do you agree that Monique has to get out of the Stone Ages of thinking 
that, oh, man, you were one of the original queens of comedy. You were with Steve Harvey and that, and that crew of legendary comedians. So in 2018, that warrants you to getting crazy money because it's like it's not like today's know who Monique the comedian is. I don't even think today's kids remember the Parkers. So it's like I don't think you're <laughs> going to get that big of a draw. Like I don't think Monique today could sell at Madison Square Garden, and that has nothing to do with her ability. It's just the fact that the last time they seen Monique in something was the, the movie she got an Oscar for, and I want to say that was almost a decade ago. So it's just the idea mm-hmm. of Amy. Amy at that time was really hot. She was hot, especially with white people. And white people came out and supported her, even though she's not even that funny. So she was able to sell out Madison Square Garden. I do not think Monique right now, without putting something else out, could sell out Madison Square Garden no. just off the idea of I used to be a legend that used to sell out arenas. Like, I, I don't think that's the case. But I'm sorry. What are your thoughts, Chris? Not a whole lot on Monique because I'm not a big Monique fan. Like, outside of the Parkers. So, this is going to put that out there. I thought the Parkers was mad funny. But I agree with you. Most cats, uh, most of the kids coming up today won't know the Parkers um, unless they happen to catch them on. You know, unless you, you find a kid that's got an old soul. I mean, there are some kids like that around. My son's like that. He likes a lot of the uh, stuff that came out when he was younger or even some of the stuff before he was born. But there's not a lot of kids like that unless you're, you know, unless it's something that's a classic, like a classic movie like Coming to America or something. But most kids won't know other than that. But right. so um, Monique need to let it go. Okay. Uh, she, just, she just needs to let it go and move on. Stop crying, playing the victim. And it, it just is, is um, you know, if if people think she's worth that type of money, she'll get it. Um, they don't think she's that type worth that type of money, she won't get it. And I think we found out that I, I the reports are true is regarding like the uh, the Netflix situation. She was actually offered some money, is what they were saying. I guess it was just not what she thought she should get. Right. So um, we found it out later when she was at first acting like they won't trying to do anything for her. So I'm really, I'm done with Monique, to be honest with you. Um, as far as Tiffany Haddish, I think that uh, Cat Williams was way out. Of, I think he was out of line, bro. I, I really do. And I think that the comments that Kevin Hart came back with, and, you know, add our Cat Williams with was, you know, he was on point. I think he was really on point. What people seem to forget, I think, you know, Greg just was talking about, the reason he defended her was because of the movie. I think that's partly right, but it's not like he doesn't know her. Um, people seem to forget that, you know, she was on, uh, what's that, The Real Husband of Hollywood um, quite a few times? Yeah. Um, that was way before this, so it's not it's not like he didn't know her. So while I do agree, mm-hmm. yeah, that the promotion was great for the movie, which if you haven't seen the movie, I'll go ahead and plug it for him. It was shockingly funnier than I thought it was going to be. We went to see it last week. Uh, I didn't expect much from it. It was it was, it was was pretty funny. Um, it was funnier than I thought it was going to be. Um, but as far as, far as uh, Tiffany Haddison's stand-up, nah, I, I, I don't think she's die-hard funny. Um, you know, but I'm not mad at her from taking her moment and running with it either. I've had this conversation with folks all the time, even my fiance, and she says, but Tiffany's not really all that funny. But she's okay. And I said, yeah, she's okay. Stand-up is not really her thing. And she's not hilarious as an actress. But 
I think she's decent enough. Um, I don't know how much she'd be able to carry a uh, a solo movie, per se. People would still yeah. go see it. But I'm not mad at her for taking advantage of her, you know, of her money. If she burns out a little bit and she in two or three years from now and we don't hear much from her anymore, which and it does happen, let's be honest, it happens. I'm not mad at her. She's taking advantage of the moment. I think she's got at least another couple of movies coming out within the next year. So I'm not mad at her at all. But I think people sell her short, too, as far as, like, Cat Williams is talking about all the people that um, she kind of leapfrogged in front of who didn't get this, you know, get the shine that she got of the opportunity. I mean, she, in some sort of way, did pay her dues to an extent. If you think about the people she talked to when she was young, you mentioned um, the Wayans a little bit earlier. Well, she was somewhat mentored by the Wayans. They, they've already talked about that, meeting her when she was young. So she did talk to them. She got a chance to, um, you know, to meet, uh, I believe, be able to talk to uh, Richard Pryor before he was gone, I believe. So, I mean, you know, and we know how great Richard Pryor was. You know, we talk about, you brought up the subject about comedians not being good. I don't think we have, I don't think comedy is looked at the same way it was back in the day. You know, uh, then Greg brought up Eddie Murphy. First, look, let me tell you something. To this day, Eddie Murphy, Raw, and Delirious are two of the funniest stand-ups ever in history. Like, if you put that on for somebody who don't, only knows Eddie Murphy as the actor in all these movies mm-hmm. and never got a chance to see those, they will fall out laughing to this day. Tears in their eyes, crying, is still just that funny. Um, you know, Richard Pryor had some great stuff. I mean, we can go on and on. We can even move it up years, you know, to the Kings of Comedy, which was a, was a great success, but... I don't think comedians are really looked at the same way anymore, the way they were years ago. Um, they, you know, Amy, Amy Schumer, she caught lightning um, in the bottle, and it's about being at the right place at the right time. This same conversation we're having about Tiffany Haddish right now, you could probably have somewhat of the same common, uh, conversation about um, Amy Schumer. I mean, are her movies, is she really that great, you know, of, of, of an actress? You know, no. you see what I'm saying? So right, yeah. you know, but people, but people, people went to see her in the movie. So, but now nah, I, I agree with I'm on Kevin Hart's side of this situation wholeheartedly because it it wasn't like she didn't pay her dues. She might have got gone through it and got about it a different way. And you may think that some of the other some of the other uh, comedians, female comedians that uh, that Cat brought up, maybe you know, maybe a little bit funnier, possibly. I mean, if that's your opinion. But it's not like Tiffany Haddish didn't pay her dues. If you if you look her up, she starred in a lot of stuff, you know, kids stuff, adult stuff. Um, like I say, she she had been with uh, Kevin Hart on uh, the Real Husbands of Hollywood, you know, and all that. So she she she's paid her dues, man. I ain't mad at her at all. Funny or not, you got to strike while it's hot and get your money while you can. Absolutely. I, I mean, listen, I think. The idea of stand-up comedy in today's time, there's not many people that can stand up for an hour and tell jokes. I don't mean no. do backflips and, and fart noises. I mean just tell jokes. And the thing with Monique is I think she's hilarious. I think she is a female comedy legend. But to say you think you deserve the same as Dave Chappelle, who took a stool, sat down, lit a cigarette, and told stories that turned into jokes. 
that is something that does not exist with everybody. Like, to me, I wouldn't put Kevin Hart on the same level as Dave Chappelle. I don't think Kevin Hart can do what Dave Chappelle can do as far as stand-up comedy. I, I do not. I do not. Everything Dave Chappelle has done from his stand-up to his show, I do not think Kevin Hart ever could duplicate that. And that's okay. That's okay. But what I'm saying is you have those rare people who can do those just truly remarkable things as a comedian. Uh, Chris Rock is, is a name that, that I don't think gets said enough. Um, that I wouldn't put Monique in the same same conversation as. Uh, and it's not a, a male-female thing at all. It's just what Monique does in comedy is different from what Dave Chappelle does in comedy. Uh, so I just I wouldn't compare them and put them in the, in the same bracket. But I will say I do think Cat Williams is coming off a little bitter. I truly do. I mean, Cat Williams has been a very angry individual since his, his fall from um, from stardom. I mean, we were talking about Cat Williams with the 10th Chronicles as the best comedian uh, at that point. He was exactly what Kevin Hart turned into. Um, you had Cat Williams in uh, Friday, uh, what was it, Friday After Next, I think was, was, was the movie. Um, yeah. He was, he was on top of the world. And then, unfortunately, things happened, and he drastically dropped. And then Kevin Hart filled the void that Cat Williams had left. Um, there were no true black comedians that were really still doing it. Like, Chris Rock had, had left. Chappelle was, was chilling in Africa. Like, Martin had given up doing stand-up. Uh, Chris Tucker had given up. Doing, like, there was no one. So, I mean, I don't personally find uh, Kevin Hart uh, as funny as a lot of people do, but I completely respect his hustle. I was watching videos from when he was doing – uh, comedy shows at like these little these little clubs, and then where he's coming from there, you have to respect that. Um, so one thing I would just ask of Cat Williams is, you focus on getting yourself back to where you used to be, and just try not to tear down any more black people. They just just avoid it if you can. It's very and stop letting them kids knock you out too. And stop letting kids knock you out. Well, first of all, Cat Williams, <laughs> stop asking for people to fight you. If every time you fight, you get knocked out. That, that's probably a smart thing to do uh, is stop asking for fights if you keep losing them. I don't think that's, that's your line. I don't think after losing a fight, you go, if you, if you want to talk smack to Nick Cannon, come see me. Well, when the kid came and saw you, he knocked you out. So I don't think that's working for you. You should probably lay back off of that. Um, but, yeah, it's one of those things where it's just like in comedy, there's so much room for everyone to make their money off of it. There should not be any reason why anyone's tearing down anyone else. Uh, and Monique, uh, let it go on asking me to give up my Netflix subscription. It's just not going to happen. Sorry. Um, but let's move on. Um, let's talk about something that was I wanted to, to save so we're, at least we got a few more people on because this is a huge discussion I want to have. And that's the black excellence that we had at the end. Uh a lot of black actors and actresses swept up the image. But that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is, are award shows important anymore? And do we as black people need the validity from award shows? And what I mean by that is the Oscars, the viewership has gone down. MTV Awards, the viewership has gone down. Uh, the Emmys, uh, the Oscars, all that, it has gone down <coughs> Because when you watch the the uh, 
the uh, the Grammys, for example, right? I think right. we all know this. It, it happens like clockwork. Every year, they give the Oscar to someone you've never heard of, someone that it seems like just started making music that day and got an award for it. Uh, and then you look at, like, for example, like that year, I can't remember that dude's name that won over Beyonce, and it was just like, he had a better album than Beyonce? Who's grading these? Like, who's upstairs giving these awards? Another example, I saw Shape of the Water. I thought it was a really good movie. Do I think it deserved an Oscar over Fences? Absolutely not. It just was not a better movie. And you can say as the audience, you could think I'm being biased, but I'm strictly going from, uh, you know, just the, the – what what the actual movie or what the actual album gave you. And I didn't leave Shape of the Water going, yeah, man, nah, this was an Oscar movie. I can't even watch Shape of the Water again. That's how weird that movie was, but it was good. Um, so, Greg, I'm going to go to you, man. Two-sided question. Are award shows important anymore, and do we as black people need the validation from these award shows? Oh, important to who? I think is the question. I mean, are, are they I important think to the culture anymore? Like, do we do we put as much uh, um into the idea of winning these awards as we used to back then when we were starving for it because we weren't even in the nomination like department. We weren't even being nominated. Like, I think in I think, today's time. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I think the the issue is now, honestly is that um, because there's so many um, people we feel were, were uh, you know, like looked over or, or, you know, just completely disrespected, that we don't give, we don't, we don't, we don't respect these award shows like we used to. So I don't think it means as much to us as, as it used to mean to us. So, you know, on the other hand, on the other part of that is, you know, we don't, and then this is this is going to sound real anti, but we do not support everybody. And what I mean by that is when, uh, you know, perfect example, Black Panther. When Black Panther came out, we were all there. Everybody supported it. Everybody was, you know, we all went. Uh, you were embarrassed. If you were black, you were embarrassed to even say you didn't see it. I know. I I don't think I saw Black Panther until like the second or third week it was out, and it was almost an embarrassment to admit that I didn't watch it. But then, on the same token, when you take any other black film, uh, we don't support it like that. Um, you know, we we have no problem with bootlegging everything. Uh, everybody has, a, uh, you know, the Cody. Everybody. No one's paid for anything anymore. So how are we going to get numbers up to warrant uh, an award or, hell, even a nomination if we're not putting the numbers into it or we're not putting our dollars into it? We're not saying anything. We are lucky that so many non-black people enjoy our culture because that's how the the Kendrick Lamars uh, are doing things. That's how – you know, the, the the Kanye's, even though he's lost his mind, that's how they're making their money. It's not off us. Uh, we, we stop supporting ourselves or we stop. Got, we've gotten to a point where, you know, 
we don't feel it's necessary to do it anymore um, because we have found ways to shortcut our own people. So to answer your question, I don't think it was necessary. I don't. I don't think. Um, I think people have already determined what's the best before the award shows come and even come out. Um, and that goes for BET awards. You know, at one point BET awards were quote unquote our awards, but I don't think people care about those anymore either. I, I don't think the caring about awards really is 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 anywhere near as high as it used to be. And, and like I said, don't get me wrong. Um, some of these award shows, some of these movies deserve, you know, nominations. Some of these movies deserve, uh, some of these actors and actresses deserve accolades. But because we don't support them 100%, and this is on both sides of it, you know, they'll never get it. Yeah, listen, I'm completely with you. And I do want to say that what I don't understand about us is, for example, Black Panther, that came out, we made that one of the largest movies in history. That should be one of those things where we're like, all right, you know what? No matter who the, the, the black actor or the black director or the black writer is, we're going to go and support. If we did that often enough, it would be almost impossible for them to not then nominate us more, uh, have us win more. You know, it, it would it would then be like, all right, if you had us lose, there's obviously some bias to why to why we lost that award. Like, you can't tell me that movie did more numbers, that album did more numbers, did more streams, whatever. Um, but you're right, you're right. We do bootleg a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of stuff, <laughs> like everything. Um, so I mean, that does not help things at all. But the idea of these award shows, the reason why I say they're not important anymore is like. When you, when you used to win an Oscar, you used to just automatically be able to, to get movies left and right. I don't think that's the be-all to end-all. I've never seen Michael B. Jordan win or be nominated for an Oscar, but yet I don't recall the last time I've seen a year go by that he hasn't been in some kind of movie, some kind of big movie. Like, I don't mean just some smaller role in a big movie. And the guy's now got his own franchise, without being nominated or then winning any Oscars. So, like, they don't hold as much merit as they used to. Uh, with the, the Grammy, I've seen, plen- like, all these <laughs> Takashi, uh, Lil Uzi, none of these guys have been nominated for anything, but I guarantee you they can fill out an arena. Guarantee you they can. Guarantee you uh, somebody's going to want to use their song for a commercial. So it's like it doesn't take that to get your name to blow up anymore. It, it just doesn't viral is what it takes. Like, people put more into being viral than they do to winning a Grammy, you know? So it's one of those things where it's like, it's just in today's time, not as important as it used to be. I don't even think it's as thought out as it used to be. And as far as what you were saying, Greg, that it's it's obvious nowadays, I mean, it's now to the point where it's like, if you watch the MTV movie uh, Music Awards, and they tell you Drake or Nicki Minaj's performing and they're nominated, you can almost guarantee the reason they're performing is because they're nominated and are going to win. So it's not right. even it's not even suspenseful now. Like you're like, oh man, Kendrick right. or Drake or J. Cole, but Drake's performing. Oh, so Drake's but, gonna win. But you know what? <laughs> and what you said what you said brought up something and I'm I'm the biggest Michael Jackson fan. I, I will always admit to this. 
But the one thing I noticed uh, in the latter year, ever um, Michael was Michael was going to be somewhere, it was only because he was getting some sort of award. Right. It was only because he was getting uh, the Cecil B. DeMille or, or, you know, something major lifetime achievement award. And to me, that kind of takes away from, you know, the whole giving an award. An award means you've done something. And I'm not taking anything from Michael because Michael deserved everything he got. But we got to a point now where we're giving people awards now because of what they did years ago. Um, you well, know, not because even that. I, but not even that, Greg. I mean, we're giving people awards. Like, think about this, right? If Drake, because J. Cole doesn't ever do, like, these award shows. So, like, if Drake tells you, like, if you call Drake and you're like, yo, you're nominated for 13 awards, right? And Drake's like, all right, cool, that's great. And then, like, we were wondering if you would come, come perform. His first question is going to be, before money is even mentioned, how many awards am I winning? Oh, well, you're nominated for 14 and you're winning 10 out of the 14. Cool, bet, I'll be there. Like, that's how you get these guys to perform nowadays. Like, what I want fans to understand is everything a musician does is business. Like, I get, they say, oh, I love you so much. If you love me so much, your next tour, I want it to be for free. I can, I can just show up. It's first come, first serve. I want you to do it for free. You wouldn't do that, right? All right, so let me stop being stupid and think, you came to this award show because you love your fans. No, that's not why. One, they're paying you a crazy amount of money. And two, I am almost I am almost 100% sure whatever the major award is for, for the male or the female, you're probably winning it. That's why you're, you're there performing. So it's one of those things where it's like don't, don't get blinded by uh, a, a superstar telling you, man, I, I love my fans. Really? Then how about next time I come to your concert, instead of you putting the microphone to the crowd for us to sing it, you do your whole show. How about that? How, that'd be great. That'd be great. So it's just one of those things where it's just like these award shows, they don't mean anything anymore. Um, and that's all around. Music, movies, sports, I just I don't feel as though they, they hold as much merit as they used to. Um, Chris, I, I'll go to you, man. What are your thoughts, man? Do you think these award shows uh, are as big as they used to be? And do you think these award shows should mean as much to our culture as, as they used to mean when we were seeking them as much as we were? They're definitely not as big as they used to be because you guys made a lot of the points about basically you can tell a lot of times uh, based on performances and whatever who's going to win something, right? But I think what's one of the things that has hurt these award shows is just the accessibility of being able to get to your artists now. You know, years ago, we didn't have all the social media platforms that we have now, not even close. So somebody that's watched, been able to see their favorite artists a billion times, if it's a replay of a show they did over in London, whether it's something that somebody recorded at a concert and put it up there, they're not going to always break their neck to watch. Now, people do watch. I mean, you can look at Twitter during an award show sometimes, and it'll be the number one, the number two thing trending. But right. I would also say that a lot of those times, though, as with myself, I'm, I'm guilty of it. There'll be an award show on now, and I might judge if I'm going to flip to 
the award show at a certain time, depending on what they're saying on social media. You know, they might say something like, um, I don't know, um, uh, Nicki Minaj is about to perform or something. You know, you know, some, and people have turned the channel then and then may turn away later. Um, they're not as big as they used to be. It seems nowadays, like, you know, Greg was talking about Michael Jackson, um, which I think just about everybody loves. I love, you know, Mike, too. We would break our necks when we knew the award show was coming on the mic was performing, you know, or, or, or Prince was doing something. You know, people would break their necks to watch because they knew that they were performing, and we get out there. Nowadays, it's it's not so much – it's not really like that. It's more so for the new artists. I'm like, for instance, um, you can go back uh, – what's two of the hottest this past year? Were pro- I would say, what's the, what's the young lady name? I heard – that's on focus. You know, a lot again? of people didn't know the young lady, I think her name is her. Yeah, it's her. Eight. It's her. Yeah, her with the song Focus. A lot of people yeah. heard the song on the radio but wasn't quite sure who she was or what she looked like. Or in some instances it was a lot of folks' first, you know, introduction to the young lady and now, you know, folks in love with her, the new artist. Um uh booed up LMA, right? Boot Up might be, might be the hottest song of the year, the most recited song of the year. If not, it's in the top two or three. Um, you know, a lot of folks are tuning in to see the newer artists. I'll be honest with you. My first introduction to, um, uh, what was it, uh, was it, last year, I believe, I think it was Anderson Pop was doing an award show. You see what I'm saying? I think more folks are, will watch now for a new artist or to check out a new artist, but I just don't think it has the same attraction overall with the stars as, as it used to because you can see your stars anytime now through social media. But as far as does it mean as much to us or should it mean as much to us, I, I don't think we need award shows to validate us anymore. I, I, I really don't. And the one the one thing I think about is funny you want, you know, we're talking about this now because I was at work talking to evening, uh, maybe two hours before this before this show. You can turn on a – doesn't even have to be in a black award show, right? You can turn on something like uh, – what's the joint they have every year? The iHeart Music Festival, right? Right. And they yeah. have those joints on television. It doesn't matter who the artist is. You put a black artist up there, especially a hip-hop artist, somebody like Future is there or Travis Scott, and they scan the crowd. There's just as many non-blacks in the crowd singing those lyrics word for word. They know this stuff word for word. Um, that you know, we don't need music to you know music shows to validate us. You can tell just by these folks knowing these songs, every song that comes on the black artist puts out, that it's it's reaching where it needs to reach. It, it's reaching home. It's reaching the car. It's reaching, it's being streamed through Spotify by more than just us as blacks. You know, everybody's getting some. So you don't need an award show to validate what our music means to us and to everybody else. I mean, it's evident when you do get to see these types of programs or platforms to see how many non-blacks actually know more than the chorus of these songs. Yeah. You know what? I mean, honestly, I can say that. I think the point – Chris just made was probably the the best point I could have uh, that could have been made because that is 100 percent true. Like when we were growing up, you know, I'm a huge New Edition fan, 
When we was growing up, I would kill to see New Edition uh, on an award show or something like that. Now I go on YouTube and I can get bombarded with concert after concert, video after video of, you know, of different, not even the same content. And, you know, so we, we are to a point now where we are so, I don't know, I think the word, we're, we're, we're so used to being able to just pick up our phone and seeing our quote-unquote heroes that we don't need to see award shows. I mean, what, what the whole purpose of award shows was not really, because we don't care who won, because it didn't put any money in our pocket, was to see our, the people we looked up to. And nowadays, you can just do that on, on your phone, on your your tablet, or, or anything. So, I mean, that that was in a, the personal point to it. That's why, you know, these shows have, have lost their, their thunder is because they're obsolete now. You don't need them like you used to need them. And also, I think the biggest thing is uh, when it comes to something like the Grammys, uh, people are hip to the game, uh, just like people are hip to the game when it comes to the Oscars. You have these out-of-touch old white guys that are judging uh, cultures and music they probably don't even listen to. Um, so it's like, all right, you're, you're like, for example, um, I think the three of us know Black Panther won't win uh, Best Picture or um, uh, Ryan, Ryan Coogler won't win Best Director, right? Even though I think we can all agree Black Panther is up there as far as the best movies of this past year, right? I think we mm-hmm. can all agree on yep. that. Um, yep. And the reason for that is the guys who watch these movies do not watch superhero movies. So this could have been one of the greatest movies ever made, but they wouldn't care. They don't watch these movies. They're looking for movies like the one with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, movies that we look at and we just go, okay, whatever. To them, they're, they're, those are the cream of the crop. Those are the best movies to give awards to. So it's one of those things where it's like until you fix the system of how these award shows are graded, you're going to always have weird things like, um, for example, uh, you're going to have weird things like, uh, I'm trying to remember, oh, that year Adele's album, uh, when she had first come back. The fact that she, that album <laughs> won a Grammy over Beyonce's Lemonade will always be a head-scratcher. That album Adele came out with was not better than Lemonade, not even by a, a mile. Um, and Adele even mm-hmm. said, like, Adele had, that album was still subpar. Name me the one song Adele's made since that album. Can't, can't do it. Can't I, can't do I will it. say this. I will say this. I do disagree with one thing you said. I think, I honestly think uh, they will be foolish and and they would deal with a huge backlash if um, they come off of Black Panther is and, and, and not gives it enough accolades. I think the backlash would be huge because you can't, because everybody admitted to that being the best movie of the year, and not just the best superhero movie, and not just the best, you know, they admitted that being the best movie. I really think um, they're going to try to throw that in there. And I think one of the things Wade is going to do it is they even, and a lot of people don't know this because they, they try to sneak it in, they even tried to sneak in new categories for Oscars right. this year. They right. tried to sneak it in so so they can give 
they can throw us a bone or throw us a a, a, a win. Um, but I think box office wise, they can't ignore uh, superhero movies plus the impact that Black Panther made. I, I honestly would be surprised if it doesn't win at least two or three. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you the bona fide one award. I can almost guarantee you that movie will win, and it's well-deserved. Don't don't get me wrong. But that's going to be the bone they throw to it, and that's going to be Ruth E. Carter winning for uh, Wardrobe. That wardrobe was beautiful. That's where they're going to win at. I can almost guarantee you it will not win Best Picture, and Ryan Coogler will not get Best Director. It'll be nominated for all of those. But it won't win. And it's because these guys, these old white guys that are judging, aren't big on superhero movies. I mean, I'll say this. We all saw Logan, right? If Logan didn't have the word Marvel at the beginning of that movie, there's no way you're telling me Shape of the Water was better than Logan. No way. So my question to you is, what's the difference? Why is it Shape of the Water not only got a nomination, but almost swept? In the uh, in the Oscars, but Logan didn't even get a nod. There's a reason to that. There is a reason to that. And Logan was nominated. It was nominated, I think, for most original screenplay. Um, but it didn't win Best Picture because those guys are never going to give a superhero movie that kind of of accolade. And it's one of those things too. Like I said, until this, they fix the system, because it is flawed. It's going to always be like that. And you're right, Greg. The the category you're referring to is most popular film. They were going to create most popular film as a legit category, meaning Transformers would have been eligible to win an Oscar. That's insane to me. And disrespectful. (laughs) Don't tell me Transformers and Black Panther are in the same category. That is disrespectful. So to me, and by the way, Greg, uh, they 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 said for now they're not they're gonna they're gonna do away with it. So for now they're gonna they're gonna shelf it. But it wouldn't have taken uh, taken into effect until I think 2020. It was a few years out of of them actually putting it into exist. But the first thing Disney said when when they heard that was Black Panther and like uh, us and Black Panther, we're not looking for most popular film. We're looking for best film. That's all we're looking for. Chadwick said. I don't look for second-place trophies, and that's all that would be. So, I mean, we are hit to what they're trying to do, and all I'm saying is I just want people to be prepared for it to be nominated, but for it to only win possibly best wardrobe. And that's something realistically we have to get, get our minds around because as big of a movie as that was, unfortunately, doesn't mean it's going to win an Oscar. Um, because at the end of the day, it comes down to voting. And <laughs> you, you can't sway someone who just didn't think it was a good movie or didn't think it was better than something else. And like I said, unfortunately, it's flawed. I mean, even as far as the, the Grammys go, I heard someone say this for the longest, you should have someone for each category. You should have the voters be someone from that demographic. So, like, for example... Uh, Greg, if I'm doing a country music uh, category, do you think I'm coming to you to have you vote for the best country music song? No, (laughs) because I would assume your knowledge of what's hot in the country music realm wouldn't be that large. 
so I wouldn't have that's to racist, be the man. guy. That's racist. You don't know what I'm saying. That's listen, racist listen, as hell. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? It don't matter what you're wrong. I'm just saying it's racist. You don't know what I listen to. Oh, well. Well, then I'm racist. Um, but, no, seriously, I wouldn't have this old white guy telling, trying to, to grade what the best hip-hop album was. Or, you know what I'm saying? Because I just feel like something wrong could come from that. <laughs> so it's like I think nothing, I don't think anything's wrong with having people in that particular field. And I'm not saying white or black. You could have someone black that's a huge country music fan, but it, it, it helps to ask. Like, don't give, don't have Nelly be the guy that's voting for best country. Well, no, actually, Nelly might be the best guy to do it. But don't have uh, Jay-Z voting <laughs> best country album. Um, like, it just wouldn't end well. Jay-Z would say, I, I don't know, like, anybody. <laughs> so it's like, don't put people in positions like that to where you could get something weird, like uh, a random guy that had one song beating out Childish Gambino. Like, that just shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. So the system is flawed. Until it's fixed, I really don't think these award shows, and what you were saying before, Chris, about it being trendy, think about why mm-hmm. it's trendy. The award shows aren't trendy because it's, it's good, it's going good. It's usually trendy because it's like, yo, who just won over Beyonce? Who just won over Jay-Z? Like, it's always something uh, in a negative sense that's trending for that award show. Like, oh, yo, did you see Cardi B giving Nicki the finger? Like, it's never, man, this is like a dope award show. It's always something outside of just the idea of it being an award show. So, I mean, that's why it says viral is big now, not the award. That's what people are striving for. And that's sad. I'll tell you something um, real quick, too, where you can tell why uh, award shows as a whole are not as big as they used to be. It doesn't happen with every award show, but I would say maybe half of the award shows that come on now is that you can know they're not as big as they used to be when other TV shows are showing new episodes while it's on. I used to remember when, 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 like back in the day, you know, not not even that long ago, but a few years ago, that the second any type of award show, whether it was music or you know film or whatever would be on, no matter what the television show was, they were definitely showing, you know, a rerun that night. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like on the other yeah. stations, they were showing a rerun that night. Doesn't happen all the time now. And that still does with certain shows. But if you'll notice, if something will come on a Sunday night, and depending on what the award show is, and it might be the, the Family Guy might be on. Family Guy still might show a new episode while that award show is, show is on. You see what I'm saying? You know, yeah. it's not a given anymore that when an award show comes on that the other networks are going to definitely throw on a rerun for that week. It doesn't happen all the time. Back in the day, yeah. you could bet that was going to happen. Absolutely. I mean, I think shows just don't feel threatened. Like, I'm pretty sure Family Guy is like, we have a core group. Uh, of fans that if we let them know we have a new episode this Sunday, they would tune in whether if, if it's just for the 30 minutes of that show. They tune in yeah. and Fox is like, yeah, we have faith. Yeah, we don't think anybody's watching CBS to watch the, the Oscars. No one cares anymore, not in this generation. So they're like, yeah, why not? Sure. <laughs> Let's see if we can still get our, our numbers up. So I completely yeah, agree some, with you. No some, of the, some of the award shows, like some of the award shows now, they do come on at 
during the time when some of the shows are, are showing reruns because they've already had their run it and they're showing reruns again, so that will happen. And then, like I say, there still will be award shows. There will still be television uh, networks that will show reruns, but not all of them do it anymore. Not all of them do it anymore. Some of them just like, Shh, this is us, man, you know. You know, you know, this this shows that people are gonna watch regardless. We're gonna go ahead and put a new episode on. So, yeah, and to, to further your point, um, to to get the fan base like larger, a lot of these mm-hmm. award shows broadcast on multiple stations. Like it's not just one station. Like it's on multiple different stations, and that's mm-hmm. not by accident. So I mean, a lot of this goes to exactly what we're saying, and it they're just not important anymore. Um, they're important to maybe the artists that win them or the the movie stars that win them, but to us, they mean very little uh, anymore. True. So, you know, that's just where we've come. Um, but all right, let's get into our very last topic, and this is going to be the most fun topic of them all because I'm pretty sure I can guess what Greg's exact response is going to be uh, to the two teams that I'm going to ask about. Uh, we're going to get into our early predictions for the NBA Finals. Now, I put in the question, who's winning the chip this year, Warriors or Boston? Uh, The reason why I put that is because I don't see anybody in the East better than Boston, and the Warriors just got DeMarcus Cousins, who doesn't even have to play until January. So, I mean, it it doesn't really seem fair on either scale. But, Greg, I do know how much you support LeBron, and I do know how much stock you put in the fact that LeBron could take just about anybody to the Finals. This will be his hardest test yet. Harder than that. I don't think it'll be his hardest test. I think I, I honestly think the Cleveland team that he just had was worse than this Lakers team. That being said, that being said, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm a realist. I don't think. I don't think um, the Lakers will make it to the finals this year. Um, but on the same token, I really and this is and I and I've said this a bunch of times. I really don't think LeBron's playing the whole year. I really don't think. I, I honestly think he is going to have an injury that's going to put him, to have him sit down at least two-thirds of the year. I think this is, a, this is going to be a throwaway year for LeBron. Um, I think he knows that he does. LeBron is a winner. He knows that he does not have the firepower to take on Houston, to take on Golden State, to take on, you know, anybody. I mean, any, I ain't going to say anybody, but he knows that. And he's not going to, you know, hurt his chances by uh, uh, risking any major uh, a downfall for him just, just to, to make it to his ninth uh, final in a row. So I, I honestly think he's going to, he's going to be, He's going to get hurt this year. I don't think it's going to be a serious injury. I don't think it's going to be a real injury. But I think LeBron will not play the whole year. Um, and I think they'll give himself enough time to rest. And I think uh, next summer they're going to pick up a beast. And whoever this beast is, and this beast could be anybody from, uh, I mean, I honestly think it might be, it could be, it could be Durant. It could be AD. It could be uh, uh, Clay Thompson. I, I think there's a lot of people that it could be, um, but I think they'll definitely pick up a beast that's going to kind of change the whole outlook of the Western Conference. 
But no, well, and I agree with you. I think I think Golden State's going to win it. Um, I'm not I'm not 100 sure I'm, I'm, I'm <clears throat> on Boston though. I'm not 100 sure on Boston mainly because of last year. And what I mean by that is last year Boston uh, was the better team in the East, and that's without their superstar. And this year they're going to have to add Kyrie to that mix. And it's already it's, it's well known that Kyrie, the reason he left Cleveland, because Kyrie wanted to be the lone superstar. He wanted to be the man, and he's he's about to be part of a team that he might not be the man. He might even be one of three. It might be a three-headed monster in Boston. So I think Boston's going to have a lot of internal issues that's going to stop them from winning it. Well, I've heard that a lot, and what I have to say to that is. Let's not forget, there is a difference between playing behind Jason Tatum and LeBron James. Kyrie does not fear Jason Tatum being a larger name than him. That is a fear you have playing alongside one of the greatest guys to ever lace basketball shoes. That is a huge difference. Kyrie knew his stock could never go higher than LeBron. There is no concern about Jason Tatum being a a larger draw than Kyrie Irving. There's none. There's none. I'd even argue Jason Tatum might not have even had the year he had if not in that Boston system. So, I mean, he has to prove that this year. So let's not get too ahead of ourselves with crowning Jalen Brown or, or Jason Tatum as the next guy. Remember, Jalen Brown emerged in his second year. His rookie year, he didn't do much. Jason Tatum did a lot in his rookie year. Let's see what he does in year two. Kyrie has no issues meshing with him. And what I try to tell everyone is we forget So Kyrie got injured, he did play with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown 60 out of those 82 games. So it wasn't like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were new trade assets that came in and just exploded while Kyrie was gone. They were there, and they meshed really well. I mean, this was a team we were looking at, uh, well, you know, before Gordon went down, that we were saying, this team could probably take down LeBron. And they almost did without two of their best players. So that's why Boston, for them to do what they did without Kyrie and Gordon, playing with a rookie leading the pack, getting those two guys back, that makes them one of the most dangerous teams in the East. Um, Kyrie, and second of all, everyone who thinks Kyrie, like, you know, probably will leave Boston or whatever, I say this. Look at his hair. He's looking for an MVP season this year. Easily, easily. Whenever guys like Kyrie, J. Cole, Kendrick, whenever they stop combing their hair, that means something fire's coming. I already know. I already know what's going on. I already know that those guys, they're not slick. I, 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 I cracked that code. So the fact that Kyrie hasn't touched the comb since uh, the end of last season, he's looking for an MVP season this year alongside an NBA championship. Um, so he's not leaving Boston. He'd be an idiot to do so. He's not leaving Boston. And as far as what you were saying about LeBron, the reason why I said this will be his largest task yet is because of the degree of difficulty. In his tenure in the Eastern Conference, he has never had a conference one through ten or one through eight. I'm sorry, one through eight is tough 
is this one he has in the Western Conference. I mean, I'm looking one through eight, and I'm like, there is a possibility the Lakers could not make the playoffs. That's how deep the West is. I'm not saying that's the case, but I'm saying the West is that tough. LeBron in the East has never been eight deep that tough. That's why I said the degree of difficulty is huge. What if the Lakers end up the eighth seed and have to play Golden State in the first round? That's a, a larger degree of difficulty, mm-hmm. I think, than anything he's ever had to face in just the Eastern Conference. That's why I'm saying the degree of difficulty alongside playing with all these young kids, um, they have some vets here and there, but the majority of that team is, is the young kids, is a very large uh, large task for him. But I do see LeBron um, pretty much considering the season a, 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 you know, a wash. But I do see LeBron having an MVP season, uh, quite like he did last year but got snubbed. But I do think LeBron is going to have an MVP season. It is going to be fun to see Kawhi versus LeBron versus Kyrie for that MVP this year because um, I do think that's going to be the three-headed monster for, uh, for the entire season as far as uh, MVP. Um, but I'm going if Kyrie and Gordon can stay healthy, Jason can stay healthy, of course. I'm picking the Celtics to win it all against Golden State in seven games. Um, I'm not only picking Boston to have the better record this season, um, but I've seen when Danny Ainge's Boston Celtics go up against uh, the Warriors, they not only always play them tough, that one year the Warriors were on that huge, uh, I think it was like 20-something, almost like 15 or 16 game winning streak. Do you know the team that knocked them off? The Celtics. And that was the Celtics with um, Isaiah Thomas and Marcus Smart leading the helm uh, and Avery Bradley. So, I mean, there's something about uh, that coach, Danny, not Danny Ange, I'm sorry. Um, crap, I forgot the coach's name. Um but there's something about Boston's system. Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens, thank you. There's something about Brad Stevens' system <coughs> that just knows how to get to Golden State. Um, so I'm picking them. I'm picking them. I think they have the better coach. Um, and I'm picking them in seven games to beat the Golden State Warriors. Uh, before you respond, Greg, I'm going to go to Chris. Chris, um, do you think it's going to be Golden State and Boston? Uh, if you do, who do you think takes it? Um, or do you think two other teams might be representing the East and the West this year? No, just it's beginning of the season, so I think you definitely have to go with those two. I, I definitely think it should be those two. But uh, Greg brought up some good points on this, and you're talking about Kyrie coming back. My view on it is Kyrie has to come in, and granted he played with them early, but these guys kind of form an identity of their own later down the stretch, and they were having to play pretty much without him on the court. Um, then you have to bring in the fact that Gordon Hay was there. All right, so you're not only having to incorporate one guy, you have to incorporate two. Now, you may say, well, you know, but they're going to have plenty of time to do that because they should coast through the East, and I believe if they're healthy, they will. So you, you may say, well, they got plenty of time for these guys to really gel and get to know each other. Well, you can't, you don't really know each other until you really down in the trenches together. And I just don't see them being have to really be in the trenches too deep in the East at all. Like they they should run away if they, they stay healthy. 
they should run away with the East very early and have little to no challenges in the playoffs. So I'm looking at their first true test. It may be it may be the Eastern Conference Finals, possibly um, if you know maybe Philly takes the next step or. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Toronto is 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 good, and and they, they, you know they really do something, and Kawhi fits in there, and those guys play. He helps get them over the hump. But I don't see them having any type of test before them, so they may not really get tested until the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're talking about learning how to really play together when the Heat is on. I don't know the benefit of the East being as weak as it should be this year is going to help this team when you're talking about incorporating mm-hmm. two guys that missed uh, significant parts of the season. Mm-hmm. Then you have to think about this. We saw, well, before that last series, but we saw Terry Rozier burst out for a minute, and, and, and he did his thing. A lot of talks that this may be it for Terry Rozier in Boston, he could command some money next year and maybe play somewhere else. Terry may decide to go off on his own and try to get busy because he know he's playing for a contract. Now he has to do that with two other stars, with two stars on the team taking more of his shine than he had to, you know, that he didn't have to give away last year. And then Marcus Smart, there's a lot of talk that this may be it for Marcus Smart there. So he's got something to prove. So. Boston's going to be fighting a lot mm-hmm. of demons, man. Yeah, they're going to be really good. And barring injury, they should run away with the East. But I just think with the East being too easy, they may not truly get tested until, like I said, the Eastern Conference Finals or until they get to the Finals. And you never know what you have in your brothers until you have to face that heat. You're dealing with a like, you're dealing with the Golden State Warriors, man. And last I checked, Kevin Durant is still on that squad. Offensively, one of the best. Defensively, one of the best. You know, we, we talked about it in my group on Facebook, and we were talking about, uh, you know, who would take who, Kyrie, uh, if they went one-on-one, Kyrie or Steph. Well, you ain't have to worry about that because even if Kyrie gets money, I don't see – Nobody, I don't care how good defensively you are, shutting down Durant. I, I just, I just really don't. And then you, and you mentioned the fact about bringing Cousins over, right? Cousins may not have to play till later, so he's already well rested from his past seasons. Only thing he has to do is really, he's really the only person that has to come in and really find his role, and they'll make a decision whether to slide him into the five spot or, or to bring him off the bench. A very underrated three-point shooter. Now, if you look at early in his career, he, his numbers weren't that great, and they weren't super great last year. He didn't play but, what, four games. But he can shoot around about 40% for, you know, most of the past three years. Um, you're talking about an offense that passes the ball the way they pass it. They're getting a guy, you know, getting a guy, DeMarcus Cousins, who can not only dominate down low, but can also hit the three, and that's their game, right? You know, so – as good as they are offensively adding that type of weapon, as good as they are defensively, if Boston has to play this team, Golden State has enough guys defensively to slow them down. And lastly on this point, how many times have we seen Cats hit that second-year wall? We always talk about that rookie wall, right? What about that second-year wall where they may not totally fall off, 
but they don't quite duplicate the season they had before. This is where you got to watch Jason Tatum, man. This is what you really got to watch him because now, not only is he going to have to find his place back in this on this team, he, he's going to be one of the guys, but he is not going to be the guy. So how does he fit in knowing that Kyrie is there, knowing that Hayward, who can be a bona fide scorer when he wants to, is there? How does he fit in and find his place when the heat is on in the playoffs? I just think it's just too many questions for them to beat the Golden State Warriors. Golden State should win it again. Well, my biggest issue is um, it's the thing of, like, we we love the narrative of Kyrie forced his way out of Cleveland, didn't want to play, you know, with LeBron, wanted to be the guy. But what we forget is in his time playing there, because remember, Kyrie didn't make this public. In his time playing in Cleveland alongside LeBron, it never showed that he was uninterested in playing or being the guy. Never showed. Never showed. Great team guy. Played team basketball. He, he's a passer. Um, he's a scorer first, but the guy can still pass the ball. It never shows. It, it never shows. You could never tell that Kyrie didn't want to be there. So what I'm saying is here in Boston, if that is the case, which I doubt, if he does not want to, you know, risk not being the guy and wants to be known as the reason why a team wins, um, it wouldn't show. We wouldn't know it. We would not. It would not show from his game. He would still rally the guys. He would still be the team guy. He would still get the guys open, uh, get them open shots, get them good looks, still be the Kyrie that we know. Because I think okay. what a lot of people – go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I have something to say with that. Go ahead. Finish what you were saying. Yeah, no, no. Go, okay, no, all I was saying was I think we – because we have the knowledge now – um, we like to attach that to Kyrie, but we have to remember that didn't come from Kyrie nor his camp. Kyrie didn't come out and tell the world, I don't want to be here. That was something that was behind closed doors that then, I think, LeBron's camp, but got out. It got out. So we then can't chastise a guy who wanted, who wants to do something I believe every great NBA player wants to do, and that's be rewarded for being the reason why a franchise is great or the reason why a franchise wins championships. I don't find a fault in that. And I also don't think Boston has someone that is a threat to him being the guy like LeBron was. I just I, – I don't see it. So go ahead, Greg. All right, here's my point. And, and this, is, this is pretty much, to me, answers all the questions. And this is a two-parter. Uh, one, can you name honestly – a carry-led team has done anything. I mean, we're giving him all this thing as a leader of 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 a team and and as the backbone of the team. Every team that carry was the leader never made the playoffs. That's not fair, though. That's not fair. Though. Well, why That's is not that fair, not fair? It's not you fair because this... those teams those teams were garbage. Those teams were okay, hot no, and, garbage. And those garbage teams, LeBron James took two games, took to the finals. No, those weren't the same teams though. LeBron came to town, and those rosters drastically changed. Half really? the guys, that you, I Kyrie, mean, I yes, mean, they drastically come on. changed. Like let's not let's not act like Kyrie was playing with a Kevin Love kind of guy, and they just couldn't get it done. Do you want to know who okay. his next guy no, was? No, and he wasn't. His next guy he was Dion Waiters. Okay, and he wasn't, but he was the leader. 
He didn't make anybody on that team better. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't do the things to make that team a leader, to be to be considered a leader of that team. Now he had a problem with LeBron coming in because from the day LeBron stepped foot in back into Cleveland, and the whole back into Cleveland is the important thing. The day LeBron stepped back into Cleveland, he became the leader of that team. No matter what LeBron said, like you know. I'm going to let the young kid, you know, handle this. LeBron became the leader of that team. And the minute he put on those sneakers, they became a contender, no matter who was else playing with them. Kyrie has not shown in his X amount of years in the league, he has not shown a leadership quality. And I don't understand. Yeah, he's an incredible ball handler. Uh, he, 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 he's not the best shooter in the world, but he's an incredible ball handler. Uh, but he is not. I don't consider him a leader. I think what Tatum did in his rookie year was more showed more leadership potential than Kyrie had. Because as a leader, you want the best for your team, and the best for that Cleveland team was for Kyrie to swallow his pride and keep his ass in Cleveland. But he didn't do that. He wanted. It, it became a selfish thing. And most people don't see it this way. It was selfish. He did not want to be number two, and that's not because he he was he was provide he was protecting his legacy. He just did not want to be number two. You know that's it, that's Kyrie's mo. That. No, but that doesn't that. make you a leader. That doesn't make no, you a leader. The, the thing is, I've never I I don't I'm not saying Kyrie is a leader or he's not a leader. What I'm saying is. If you want to judge a guy who uh, only played two years in Cleveland before LeBron came, you're judging him off his rookie year, that he won rookie of the year, by the way, and then you want to judge him off his sophomore year. Both years, he had Mike Brown, who you could say is a serviceable head coach, and he had a really bad team. You're saying what Jason Tatum did was more of a leader than what Kyrie did in his time in Cleveland by himself. What I'm saying is if Kyrie – if Kyrie in Cleveland had everything Jason Tatum had, I think we'd be having the same. We, you'd be having the same conversation for Kyrie that you're having for Tatum. Let's not forget Tatum has one of the best coaches in the NBA right now, and I think we all agree Brad Stevens might go down as one of the best uh, NBA head coaches of all time, just because of what this guy has been able to implement. Think about this: the past two seasons, he has had a completely different roster and ended up in the Eastern Conference Finals. Both years, completely different roster. So I, I, we can't look at the Jason Tatum situation with that team and with that head coach and go, yeah, that's more of a leader than when Kyrie was with Dion Waiters and Anderson Varejao, like in Mike Brown. Like you can't compare the two. It, it, it's not the same. Kyrie wasn't working yeah, with the same thing. Can, can I say something? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It does. Look, I, I ain't got nothing against Kyrie. Matter of fact, outside of the injury scaring me, I'd be the happiest kid in the world. He ended up in Madison Square Garden, right? But, absolutely. Amen. Your lips to God's ears. Go ahead. I'm sorry. But <laughs> I, I, I have to kind of agree with Greg on this one, though. When have we seen Kyrie be a leader? I'm not saying that he can't, but we don't know that he is. It's it, it my point. We don't know that he is a leader um, at this point. When he he hasn't shown it yet. Yeah. Where was he game yeah. seven this year? 
Where was he game seven of the, yeah, the he, Cleveland? He was in Boston. Was at home. No, at home. No, 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 no. That's no, no. the leader. There was, that's the no, leader. Time out. There was a reason why he was not at that it's, game. There's no reason. A medical reason. There was a medical reason why he was not there at that no game. There is no such thing as a medical reason, man. There you was. You couldn't there reschedule. Was. So, so he had, he was, it was life or death. He couldn't reschedule so that for the next day. Everyone goes to that, but are we going to ignore the fact that Kyrie was at every every other game of that season? Every, I mean, of that well, playoff. What game was the important game, though? Oh. We can't judge Come it. Come on, we can't judge it off. Yeah, that. no, we can't judge it you can't. If you want to talk leadership, if you want to talk leadership, that is leadership. Let me ask you a question: Would you, if if you're not playing, you're not playing, but your team has a chance to beat a LeBron James? I've made it to the finals every year since I've been – since he made it to the finals, ever since you've been a pro. You wanted – you had your team a chance. Your team had a chance to take that away. You're not going to support your team by being there? That's what a leader is. A leader doesn't have to be a leader on the basketball court all the time. A leader is a leader. Do you think when, when um, the season it starts, that's not going to be on their mind? Yo, dude kind of left us hanging on the most important day of our season. Absolutely, he left absolutely us not. hanging. The same, way, the same way that when LeBron publicly ridicules his teammates, uh, a la the J.R. Smith incident, and then let's not forget Howdy LeBron that entered that, o- that overtime and refused to score a bucket. Why, did, why didn't he refuse to score a bucket for the first three minutes of that overtime? I wanted to see well, because he couldn't. No, no, no. They don't <laughs> because he couldn't. Hey, hey, but they're going to find out real quick this year on why, Le, why LeBron acted the way he acted. When they sit there and look yeah. at their record, they're going to find out real quick. So all but, I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, LeBron has had moments that you go, hmm, not what a leader no. would do. Not what a leader. Not LeBron. No. Yeah, but, but but the difference though, he has shown that he is a leader as well. My point is, and then look, I'm not against the dude. Matter of fact, you want to, I'm telling you, you just asked me who I thought was going to win it. If Boston win the gentleman, I'd be happy too. I don't want to see Golden State win it again, but 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 I would have, be happy for Brad Stevens. I'm crazy about Brad Stevens and that squad. But my point is, we even when LeBron in moments when he hasn't acted like a leader, there's quadruple the amount of times that he has been, he has acted like a leader. We have not seen that yet from Kyrie. Now, right, we're not I'm saying, saying he can't do it. Yeah. We're not saying yeah. he can't do it. We're just saying yeah. you, you're throwing the leader tag or the leader uh, uh, helmet on this man, and he hasn't. There's no reason to give him that leader um, thing. He is. I don't think yeah. he is the leader of the team. All I'm saying is we haven't given Kyrie a legitimate chance to have a franchise of his own in his prime, not as a baby, in his prime, and take that team and be the proper leader. What I'm saying is that's what he did for Boston last year. He was helping these young guys. Jason Tatum talked about that, and and, uh, Brown talked about that all season. Kyrie constantly helping them grow their game. And you'll see it this year. But you can't judge his first two years before LeBron came and say, well, he had the franchise. What did he do? Because last time I remember, when Kobe first got the franchise, I don't recall that team doing much. LeBron. Kobe set the bench for the first three or four years. 
Yeah. Kobe he came didn't. off the bench, not really set the bench. Yeah, he, set, he, came yeah, off he, the he bench. came off the bench. He didn't start. No, but what I'm saying is LeBron, his first year, statistically for LeBron, did amazing. He was the, the leader. <laughs> no, no. LeBron team, was the leader he, of that team. What did LeBron take the team his rookie year? What do you say? What is, where did LeBron take his team in his first two years? A oh, playoff? He didn't make the playoffs his rookie no, year. No, the rookie, rookie year, they didn't make the no, playoffs. No, not the rookie like year. But every yeah. year, every year, yeah. they got better. Yeah. The numbers right. got and better. And what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, we're judging Kyrie off his rookie year and then his sophomore year. Statistically, he didn't miss yeah. a step. He can't help that his team is hot garbage. He can't help that. And Same again, way. I am not saying Kyrie is not a, a all-star. I'm not saying he's not a, a great player. All I'm saying is that don't give him this leader title when he hasn't Until done he anything it. to be yeah. a leader yet. And when he I'm saying not is, if you're anything. telling me, if you're telling me winning is what makes the leader, I'm telling you no, no, no. That I think our definition leader. of leader leadership is different. No, so winning doesn't I'm make a leader. Is, what I'm saying is the only chance he's had to be a leader is last year in Boston, which he was, and now this year in Boston, which we shall see. This no, is what so you're saying. What you're saying winning is a leadership. I'm not saying winning is a leadership. I'm not saying No, that. I'm not talking about winning. I'm talking about being able to have a team that is not hot garbage. But that doesn't make you a leader. Able to be Just that because leader. a leader is someone who can lead any team. You don't have to lead them to a win but you can lead any team. That's what I'm saying. Yes, and that's he what he did. Showed... I don't, he was I don't, leading. I don't a leader, like I said, a leader cares more about the team than himself. And, and when you has. lead the team, I just don't he see has. it. What I'm saying is, is you're, what you're saying right there, I'm not saying your whole, your whole argument, what you're saying right there is, a leader would have stuck it out and then just left in free agency, right? That's what you're saying? No, I'm saying a leader a leader knew that Kyrie Irving and LeBron James and Kevin Love and, and J.R. Smith and that was good enough to beat the Golden State Warriors. Right. And 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 knowing that a true leader or a true Robin or a true whatever would have said, Okay, I want the best for my team. And when I'm saying the team, the team throughout the season hadn't suffered. That, that's what I'm trying to get across to you guys. If this didn't come out and the Cavs just traded Kyrie and then it came out way later, if this didn't come out, because let's, let's remember, it didn't come out from Kyrie or his camp. If this did not come out, we, would have, we wouldn't be having this conversation of this specific topic right here. Because he, on the court, did not show that he didn't want to be there. I've seen guys play basketball like they did not want to be there. Kyrie did not do that not once his entire time playing alongside LeBron. Not once. I even recall he was one of the driving factors in that championship in Cleveland. You you mean when they were winning? (laughs) Why would you look like you don't want to be there? No, what I'm saying is I've seen people winning, and if they don't want to be there, it reflects. It reflects. It reflects in the highs and it reflects in the lows. What I'm saying is what about Kyrie in the press conference, before games, after games, talking about mm-hmm. LeBron? 
What about any of that screams he didn't want to be there? No, but I will say this what people forget, and we don't know how true it is because we weren't in that locker room, right? But folks really forget that, you know, that year before, um, during the season before they won it and they beat Golden State, there were some talks. I, I remember hearing there were some talks that supposedly that, uh, that, that Kyrie kind of really didn't want to follow LeBron being the leader on that squad. I, I yeah. remember that. Yeah. yeah. He didn't, you know well, what I'm saying? Was... And they said, because remember, they were, when they won it, they asked, um, when they asked LeBron, what did he say to Kyrie or something? Because they had a moment on the court or whatever, and he never really revealed what he said. It, it, I guarantee you it had something to do with the fact that whatever little situation they had going on outside of the cameras. I, I think even though LeBron says that he was kind of blinded for, blinded by what went down, I, I, he knew that uh, he knew that Kyrie kind of didn't like the fact of being in his shadow. Man. Yeah, I mean, and let's let's not let's not kid ourselves here. Kevin Love hated it every day, every day. Yeah. Kevin Love hated it. Because LeBron, LeBron brought the mentality that he got from Miami to Cleveland, which was when I got there, Wade knew this was my team. When I got there, Bosh knew everything you used to do in the post, get that out of your mind. You're about to spot up in that corner. And Kevin Love was like, uh, that's never been me. Like, I don't, I'm not a spot-up shooter, and I'm not known for being a defender. You putting me at the five spot, you telling me to go wide, I'm completely changing what made me Kevin Love. And he hated every day of that. Just like I'm guaranteeing you now, watch the season. Kevin Love was a leader. Kevin Love was an all-star. Kevin Love was an important member, was the the leader of his team. Not in 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 Minnesota. In Minnesota. So he knew what needed to be done in order to win. That's the whole point. You proved my point. That's why but Kevin Love just bit it, just just bit, just just grinning bad. He said, uh, "You know, I'm not used to this, but hey, this is what the team needs for me to do." That's what Boss yeah. did. Boss like, "I'm not used to this, but this is what the team needs for me to do." Dwayne Wade, yeah. I've been the leader of this team. I had a, 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 a all star, one of the best players in the world, in Shaquille O'Neal on my team, and I was still the leader. So I know how it is to be a leader. Uh, when when there's an all star, but I know that I'm going to defer this to LeBron James. That's what right. the true leader is. And what I'm saying is, Kyrie took less also deferring to LeBron. Kyrie, for a majority of the time he was with LeBron, didn't really bring the ball up to court. It was LeBron. Kyrie is like that was me, but cool. All right, cool. Take that. Kyrie was averaging in, in the high twenties his first few seasons. LeBron comes. First year, that was a little shaky. You know what? Cool, take that. But at a certain point, Kyrie at his core wants to be, like, here's the thing with Kyrie that I will never fault. If they win, it's LeBron. If they lose, it's LeBron. At no point is anyone saying anything about me. I want it to be me. And I'm saying, yes, that is selfish, but in a time where you get marketing, where you get commercials, where you get sponsorships, that is very crucial for the world to see you as the guy for you to get all of the, the stuff that, that LeBron has, that Kobe has, that Wade has. 
You have to do that to get those things. I will never, just like everyone always goes, you're down 30 points in a football game and you get a sack. What are you dancing for? Uh, because I wear a helmet and no one knows who I am. So I got to do something that stands out so people can go, oh, who's that guy? Same Richard Sherman talking smack. Why? It gets you to pay attention to him. Now you know what you're doing? You're not paying attention to the antics. You're paying attention to how he plays. So what I'm saying is, yes, is it selfish? Of course. I'm not an idiot. Yeah, it's selfish. But is it necessary in today's game? Absolutely. And I will never fault the guy for that because in today's climate, that's important for your name to be marketable is because I need to know who you are to then make it about you for car commercials or whatever. So what I'm saying okay. is – right. Go ahead. I see what you're saying. Here, here's here's my thing, and this is basically what I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave on this because I see you know it's we we're both basically saying close to the similar things, but just mm-hmm. different ways. This is how I'm gonna determine. This is how I'm. This is what I'm gonna look for to determine the greatness. Because like I said, I believe Kyrie Irving is great. He's one. He has to be one of the top fifteen players. I, I'll give that to him. But this is what I this is what I'm gonna be looking for in the next two three years. If Tatum or Brown or anybody else on that team, even Awood, becomes the superstar of that team. Now, and this this is granted. I agree with uh, with Chris. That sophomore year is a bitch because at that point you're not surprising anybody. You know, you're not you're not you're not sneaking up on anybody. Everybody they know you and they pretty pretty much prepare for you. So we'll see how Tatum is. But I want to see how Kyrie reacts when Tatum becomes as good as he should become, is 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 he going to pull the same shit in Boston that he pulled in Cleveland? And, and my yeah. other point that I wanted to say, my other point that I wanted to say about uh, you thinking that um, Boston would win is I am not by far a Kevin Durant fan. I'm not. I don't know why I don't like him. I had the same problem with um, – Curry, I thought it was a light-skinned thing, but it ended up not being. I don't know what happened. <laughs> but I am not a Kevin Durant fan. All right? But I give all credit where credit is due. As long as Kevin Durant is on that Golden State Warriors team, no one will beat him in, in, in the finals. No one. We'll see, because I he, tell you what. I don't, I don't think JR, anybody can beat him. If, if JR doesn't mess up in that game one, we're looking at that series a whole lot differently with the Cavs winning that game one. That's all I'm saying. I still but we think got it less won. than probably not, but it would have been a way better series than what it was. But we got yeah. less than thirty seconds. Greg, Chris, I want to thank you guys so much for joining me on another episode of Cultural Integrity. Audience, make Thanks sure out. you guys check out the Sports Bar uh, podcast. Make sure you check out Chris's page on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I believe. Make sure you check yep. out Big Time Radio with Greg. Um, same avenues, right, Greg? Big time? Yeah, yeah, right. All right, perfect. Uh, make sure you check these guys out, and we'll be back next Tuesday. Uh, so stay tuned for an all-new episode of Culture Integrity. Peace.